recap. There are songs of praise. There are songs of lament. Songs where uh, the author would cry out to God and say, where are you, God? I need you, God. They would um, voice their heart in the deepest ways. And uh, a lot of times that's with anger towards God. And a lot of times these psalms are just simply praising God for how good and majestic and wonderful he is. And uh, today we're going to be in Psalm 40, and I think we get a little bit of a mix of both uh, praise and lament together. Uh, but Psalm 40, a quick backstory, it is directly tied to Psalms 37 through 39. And Psalm 37 through 39 are really just David crying out to God, saying, where are you, God? I'm waiting for you to show up. Here's the struggle that's going on in my life. Here's what I'm going through. Here's the issues that I'm having. God, where are you? I'm waiting on you, God. Show up, God. Right, and it's over and over. They're psalms of lament. And then in Psalm 40, uh, we see that David is in a rough situation. Um, and whether this is because of his own doing or the doing and actions of others, in Psalm 40, the song that he is writing turns to praise. And so that's really what we're going to be focusing on today. And I pray that today, from studying this, from looking at David in this psalm, we can take a lesson from him on how we should praise the Lord each and every day. Okay, and so we're going to be in Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. Let's go ahead and start there. David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. Stop. Okay. Um, I waited patiently for the Lord. I'm just going to real quick. Uh, this is kind of a side from my message. Um, are you able to wait patiently for the Lord? I think a lot of times we wait reluctantly for the Lord. Or we don't wait at all and we take matters into our own hands. Or we wait irritatedly or we wait with doubt because it seems like God's not listening to us at all. But David waited patiently for the Lord in his struggle, in his mess. I think we all could try to do that. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And this is such a good piece of scripture. I think I could preach an entire message on these three verses easily. Um, but we listen, just listen to the way David describes his situation. He is in a pit of destruction. Right, the imagery here that he's in a pit where he has no way of getting out. There is no hope for him in this pit. He is in a miry bog. It's filthy. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's muddy. This miry means this mud or clay, right? It's hard to move. I imagine like the swamps um, near Mordor in the Lord of the Rings, right, where they're just like always wet and gross and muddy and it's filthy and it's dark and it's stinky and dangerous, Maybe David's talking about Florida. Um, sorry. Um, right, but it is, it is this thick pit. It is this uh, unescapable thing where he is stuck. He has no hope. He can't move. And the only option he has is what? To cry out to God. And he is crying out to God. And what does it say? God inclined and heard his prayers. God heard his cries, and this word inclined means that God were to get down on a knee, get on David's level as you would with a child who is crying, and God stepped down, and he got 
with David, and he did what? He pulled him out. He drew him from that pit. He lifted him up out of his situation. Right? And so God saved him from his own mess. God saved him from the situation that he was in. He put him on solid ground and made his steps secure. Right? That, that phraseology of made his steps secure invokes this idea that now David was able to move forward. Now David was able to go on with his life because God had set him on solid ground. And so our first way that we can learn from David today is that we should praise God for salvation. We praise God because he has saved us, right? When David was in the worst situation, when he couldn't help himself, when he couldn't get out of the mess, God saved him. And God has done the same thing for us. Every Christian in here has a dirty story. None of our stories are pretty. None of our backgrounds are we proud of, I would assume. And there are all types of pits that we have been in. There are all types of pits of despair and destruction and miry bogs that we have either put ourselves in or others have put us in within our lives. Right? Just think about what is a pit where you feel like you are stuck. You can't do anything but cry out to God. Maybe it's a health situation. It just keeps going and you can't find answers and you can't figure it out. And as soon as you do, you're back in the same place. You're in pain. You're struggling. Maybe it's a marriage that's on the rocks and you feel like no matter how hard both of you seem to be trying, you can't just seem to make it work. That's a pit. You can't get out of it. You don't know what to do. So you cry out to God. Maybe it's just financial struggles. You're doing everything you can, but it seems like you're just working uphill and you're not making any ground. Maybe it's your kids are making poor decisions as they get older, and as a parent, you are seeing them make these decisions and you have no control over it. I don't know what your pit is, but pits leave us stuck, crying out to God because we can't do it on our own, and we try and we strive to figure things out for ourselves. But ultimately, we need to wait patiently on the Lord. And I do know that we all have different backgrounds. We all have different miry bogs that we have lived in. But I know one miry bog that each and every person in this room has lived through, and that is the weight of our own sin, the consequences of our own sin, the pit because we are sinners at our very core, at our very nature, that we have been put into a pit that we cannot find our way out of. And Jesus steps in and he offers salvation. That before Christ came into your life, before you put your faith and your trust in him, you were in a hopeless situation. You were living in a pit that maybe you created yourself and you were destined for hell. That's the truth. Every one of us have been in that place, but Jesus has saved us. We have been lifted up from that pit. We have been lifted from the mess, and we have been put on solid ground. And so what was David's response? He was given a new song. He had a new song on his life. We have been given a new song, so we praise the Lord because of what he has done for us. We praise the Lord because we were once lost. We were once sinners. We were once dead, and Christ has made us new. Christ has 
saved us. And so that is praiseworthy, that we have been given a song to sing with our lives. We have been given a song that maybe some of you are like, you love La La Land and Mama Mia and all that stuff, and you just want to walk around and actually sing in your actual life. But for most of us, it's the way that we live our lives. It's the way that we talk. The way that we act is a song that others can see, a song that others can hear with our lives. We praise the Lord for his goodness and his mercy for saving us. We sing the Lord's goodness so that others can be saved as well. God saved you. If it was up to you, you'd still be in the pit. If it was up to you, you'd be headed down the path of destruction. You'd be living in despair without hope, without joy, without peace that comes from the Lord. And because of that, we have been given a song. And I pray that as a church, as Christians in this room, our community would know that song. They would know the goodness of the Lord because we sing the song that we were characterized more by this fact than the things that go on in our lives. As Christians, we should sing a song. We should live a life of gratitude, of joy. And does the song of your life reflect that? Or does the song of your life reflect your struggles? Does the song of your life reflect the issues that you're going through that even if today isn't a great day, guess what? You still have that song within your heart. That even at work, if things are not going the way that you wanted them to go, you can still praise God because guess what? You're not in that pit anymore. You have been redeemed, you have been made new, and so you have a song placed in your heart and in your mouth. You've been saved from yourself, from your sin, and from the consequences of sin. So we need to remember who we were, we need to remember where we were, and we need to remember what our life was headed towards. In church, we can praise God because that's not where we are any longer. That Jesus has lifted us up out of the pit and placed us on solid ground. All right, verses four through eight. We see that David uh, responds with praise here again, but in a different way. Verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards me. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear, Lord. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will. O oh my God, your law is in my heart. David here is teaching us to praise God in obedience. We praise God because he has saved us. And then we then turn around and we praise God in obedience to his will. David says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and do not follow their own conscience. Blessed are those who follow the Lord and do not trust the counsel of the wicked, who do not listen to the people in this world, who do not choose their own way to live their lives, but those who trust in the Lord and in his will. How foolish would it be that we say, God, thank you so much for saving us from the pit. Thank you for saving me from this destruction that I couldn't get out of the pit. I put myself there. It was because of my own sinfulness that I was in the pit to begin with. I couldn't find my way out of it. Thank you, God, so much for saving me from that pit. Now, I got it from here. 
God, God, you saved me. You have given me salvation. You gave me that get out of hell free card. But now I'm going to live my life on my own accord. And you know, that's, uh, that's foolish. And we need God just as much today as we needed him when we were at the bottom of that pit. You need God just as much today as the day before you got saved. You need him the same amount. Um, I actually uh, found on the internet some footage of us um, living this way. I found, found some footage of us living on our own accord instead of listening to God. And so I'll go ahead and, and check out this, this real life footage. That's, that's us. Man, we get saved. We get pulled out of this pit. We're kicking and screaming. We don't want to come out of the pit. And then we're like, all right, I got it from here. Peace, God. Right back in the pit. This is what it's like when we thank Jesus for saving us, but then we don't follow Jesus with our lives. When we aren't obedient to what he has called us to do, we take advantage of his grace and his mercy that he has showed us. And what does it say? Um, God doesn't want our sacrifices and offering. He doesn't want our burnt offerings, but he wants us to live obediently to him and what he has called us to do. See, David um, here, uh, he, he says the word Lord a lot, right? But he is creating this imagery of a slave with a master. Because the word Lord, the, the title that we call Jesus all the time, Lord Jesus, that title actually means uh, master or um, ruler, right? When we think of this idea of slavery, we, we never look at the master as the good guy, right? Um, that's because of the context in which we live in. But David here is saying, Lord, you are my master. I am your slave, and I willingly and joyfully delight in being obedient to you. What does he say? He says, uh, you have given me an open ear. You have given me an open ear. This is the idea of a slave hearing his master tell him what to do and excitedly, delightfully, joyfully acting in what the master has called him to do. It is this idea of being a slave who delights in his master's will, not because... He is simply a slave and he has no other choice but because his master is good and cares for him and loves him. That is us. We are called to delight in God's will. We are called to um, enjoy when he calls us to live in a certain way. We are called not to reluctantly obey just because we have no other choice, but realize that he cares for us and our obedience is an act of praise and worship to him. That when you are obedient to what God has called you to do, it is because we have been grateful recipients of his grace that he has saved us and we are obedient to his will because of that. But we also know that ultimately, what God calls us to do is for our good. We don't just obey because he's the boss. but We obey because we know that he cares for us and he loves us and he wants the best for us. He wants us to prosper, not to harm us. And so, um, 
Verses 6 and 7, fun fact. Uh, These verses are actually quoted in Hebrews chapter 10. I think it's verse 5 through 10. Um, But they're not focusing on David saying these words. They're actually focused on Jesus saying these words. So they put the the verses 6 and 7 as Jesus speaking those verses out. And it's so true of him. He's saying, God, I, I know that I am the sacrifice, but you have not called, you do not delight in sacrifices and offerings, but you delight in obedience. This is also um, uh, made clear in the book of Samuel that God does not want our sacrifice, but he wants us. He wants us to be obedient. He wants our hearts to be aligned with him. And if this type of obedient praise is how Jesus did it, this type of praise through obedience is how David did it, I think it probably would be a good idea for us to follow suit. We praise God through obedience. Now let's look at verses 9 and 10. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Our third point, praise God with proclamation. Do others know how faithful God has been in your life? Do others know the pit that God has saved you from? That his goodness, that his mercy, that his love took you from here to here. Do people know that? about your life, because David didn't restrain, David didn't hide, David didn't conceal his um, story. He didn't conceal God's goodness to others, but it says that he made it known to the great congregation. He made it known to everyone. David had a new song, right? He had a new song within his heart, and David sang that song. Do other people know your song? Do they know your story? David sang his song, and how do you treat your testimony? You see, this was really convicting for me this week, uh, or the last few weeks that I've been preparing this. Do people know your story? Do people know that God removed you from a pit, that God's goodness, that God's faithfulness is why you are where you are at? You see, I have no problem telling people, people that I'm a pastor. Even though when I tell people I'm a pastor, they get real weird and start using like different language than what they used before. Um, I think we've talked about this, but their posture gets better. Um, I have no problem talking about our church and things going on with our church. I have no problem inviting people to church, but I have a problem with sharing my story, with sharing my song that I was once lost, but now I am found that God in his goodness has saved me from the pit. And maybe you're with me. Maybe you struggle to share the joy and the hope that we have found in God with other people. We will gladly accept it. We will gladly receive this grace and this mercy, but it's harder to extend it. But we should feel a responsibility, not a burdensome responsibility, but a joyful responsibility to share our story with others. 
Because we praise and we honor God whenever we share our story, not to focus on us, not to focus on uh, who we were, not to uh, draw attention to how far we have come, but to draw attention to God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace, God's love for you that he also wants to extend to others. They don't need to know that you go to this church. They need to know King Jesus. And they need to know his goodness. I hope you're as convicted as I am. I have a quote from Pastor John Piper. He says, Isn't it tremendous that whenever God gives us deliverance from the pit and puts a new song in our mouth, his aim is not only our benefit, but also the benefit of others through us. So let us never view our own song as the stopping place of God's mercies. Let us never view our own song as the stopping place of God's mercies. God aims for us to sing others into the kingdom. The way that you live, the way that you share God's goodness is the vehicle that other people get saved. Let's look at the last bit of scripture, verse 11 through 17. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Man, David is just piling on the praise to God. Piling on the praise. And what we're about to see is that he is still in a pit. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot see they are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. I don't know what that means. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continuously, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. David praises God and he is still in need of his mercy. David is still in need of God's saving grace, right? He has been singing this song of God saving him, that he has been praising God for what he has done. He has been telling every person that he comes into contact with, God has saved me. God is so good. God is so faithful. God is so just and so loving. But we see that he still has troubles. He's still surrounded by the enemies. He is still um, dealing with the consequences of his own sin, of his own iniquities, Maybe you can relate to this, this idea that, hey, God, I know you saved me and I praise you for saving me, but I still feel like I just can't control my sin. I still feel like I keep falling into this trap of sin. Maybe this sounds familiar to you. Maybe you're saved, but you keep living in a way that you know you shouldn't. You keep struggling with these situations that you thought you would be past. You end up back in the same place where you started. And what does David do in this moment? He cries out to God. We are called to cry out to God in our own sins and our own iniquities when it's coming from the outside and it's others wanting to see us hurt, harmed or hurt, when it's others uh, stepping in and 
wanting to suppress us. They don't want us to succeed when it's others who are um, hurting us, with, whether physically or emotionally. There's lots of situations that we still go through even though we have been saved. David cried out to the Lord, asked him for help. Verse 13, he says, deliver me from my weakness, God. Help me. 14, God, put to shame those who look to hurt me. And those who want the worst from me, God, put them to shame. God, you take care of them. I'm here and I'm going to wait on you. I'm not going to take action into my own hands. I'm going to wait on you to deliver me from these people. And those who mock me in my struggles, God, you deal with them. I can't deal with them because if I deal with them, it's going to be sinful. I'm going to end up deeper in this pit. He goes in verse 16 and 17. He says, For those who seek you, God, let them say, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. Man, that's good news. How good to hear that we are poor and needy. We are fully dependent on God. We bring nothing to the table, but the Lord takes thought for you. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. David's situation wasn't perfect. He was still, still dealing with some things. And he cried out to God, which brings us to our final point. We praise God for salvation. We praise God in obedience. We praise God with proclamation. And we praise God through dependence. We praise God through dependence that David directs his attention back to his pit. He directs it back to his struggles. He directs it back to the fact that he has not made it. He is not clear. He has not reached his final destination that he wants to be at. So he is continuously dependent on God. David realizes that he is poor and needy. He has nothing to bring to the table, but God still cares for him. God's love is greater than your struggle. Your pit may be deep, your pit may be dark and messy and gross, but God's love is greater even still. And so we focus on the goodness of God. We focus on how big God is, not how big our struggle is. We focus on how great the, God, the Lord's love is for us. We don't focus on how great our issues are. We don't focus on, on how painful our life circumstances are. We focus on how faithful our God is. That's what David's doing, that even in his waiting, he is focused on God's powerful, magnificent grace. So when David fails, when David is down, God's love and faithfulness lifts him up. And I pray for us that this would be a characteristic of us. Life is surely going to offer its fair share of struggles. Actually, I promise you it will, because Jesus promised you that it will. But in those struggles, we are able to praise God through dependence. We are able to praise God because we have been given a new song with our life. We have been given hope. We have been given a purpose. We have been given peace God is willing and able to save us time and time again, and he has done it before, and he will do it again. But until he does, what do we do? We wait patiently on the Lord. We praise him in our waiting. We praise him in dependence, and we don't 
take matters into our own hands. And so all of us are fully dependent on God to save us. We were fully dependent on him to save us from an eternity in hell. And guess what? We are fully dependent on God to save us from every single day's struggles. Whatever your week has looked like this week, know that you can't go through it on your own, but God is willing and ready to walk with you through it. The Lord has his eyes on you. The Lord delights in you. The Lord is willing to help those who are needy and merciful. And so some of us in this room, maybe we depend on the goodness of God because we've already been saved and now we just need to live obediently. We need to live in the right way. We need the Lord because we want to react in that positive way that Jesus would respond instead of the way that we've always responded in our lives. So we know that we are saved, but we believe in the Lord and we have to depend on the Lord to make it through everyday life. But then I think there's probably others in this room that you are fully dependent on God because you still haven't trusted that he has saved you from your own sin. Maybe you haven't trusted that he has removed you and redeemed you from that pit that we talked about at the beginning, the pit of hell, the pit of destruction, the pit that every single human being is born into. Maybe you've never trusted God to save you, but I want you to know that in this moment there is hope. In this moment there is a way out. You don't have to continue in this pit that God extends help through his perfect son, Jesus And Jesus extended his love to you on the cross where he died for you. He died on your behalf. He died on my behalf because of the sins that we committed, not any sins that he committed. And he died on the cross as a penalty for those sins. And here's the good news. Three days later, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating the enemy. And because of that, when he was raised, he lifted us up out of the pit. He lifted you out of the pit that you created for yourself. And when we trust in him for salvation, we are offered peace. We're offered joy. We're offered acceptance by the father and king of the universe. You are adopted as his child. And we are given a new song to sing. I don't know where you're at. I don't know the pit that you're in. Maybe you're just in the pit of everyday struggles as a Christian, but maybe you're in the pit of not knowing your eternity, not knowing where you're going to spend your eternity with God or without him in heaven or in hell. So the invitation has been very clear. Jesus has extended that invitation for you. He is offering to redeem you from that pit, to lift you out of it. And if you need to make that decision today, I would ask that you let me know after service. I would ask that if you have a Connect card, you mark it on the Connect card. If you don't have a Connect card, you can scan one of the magnets in the seat back near you and let us know that you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Church family, friends, it is the most important thing you will ever do, that you are not able to live this life without the hope of Jesus. So accept that today if you need to. But this is the goodness of God. 
This is my testimony. It's the testimony of so many people in this room that we were once lost and now we are found, that we were once in the pit of destruction and now we have hope and a future. This is the song that we are called to sing. This is the song that God has given you. Don't keep it to yourself. Let's sing it to others. Let's sing it to the world that the love of Christ has lifted me up and set me on solid ground. And so what's our be the church and display the kingdom moment of the day? Sounds like an advertisement. It's that praise God for what he has done so that others can come to know his goodness. You have a song. God has saved you. And that his mercies don't end at saving you. There are other people that need saving and we have that gift. We have that song. Let's sing it as the people of Jesus. Let's pray.